Do you love this podcast and want to find a way to support it? Well, guess what? You can become a sustaining member today. You can do that by visiting the Talk Classic to Me page at anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Once there, just click the support button and select the recurring amount you want to contribute to the podcast. This helps keep our podcast going and the good content that you have come to know and love flowing. You can also find the link to support us on our social media at Talk Classic to Me on Instagram and feel free to follow us there as well. Thank you so much for being a listener. As always, enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. If you do not want this film ruined, do not proceed. There's spoilers galore. You have been warned. Welcome to Talk Classic to Me, the classic film podcast and movie club where I, Sarah Greenfield, your host and classic film enthusiast, bring in my entertaining friends to talk about classic movies or any other old-fashioned form of media that strikes my fancy. On today's show, we're talking about the film Top Hat from 1935 with my lovely guests, Ashley Thomas and Deb Kaltman. Welcome to Talk Classic to Me. Um, I have my two guests here, Ashley Thomas and Debbie Kaltman. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining me today. These are two of my very good friends. None of us are in the same city. We're all over the place, all over time zones. Um, and they have joined me here today to talk about the film Top Hat from 1935, starring Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Ladies, what did you think? feel like I was in the like category, not mm -hmm. love category. And I say this as a lover of musicale. I understand. Deb, how did you feel? I thought it was delightful. Clearly some, you know, things that did not translate as well into the 21st century and some, you know, plot challenges maybe. But I also am a lover of the musical and I thought it was delightful. I had never seen this Um I'm not sure if I've seen any of Astaire and Rogers movies, which I'm sort of embarrassed to admit. Um, like anytime there was a dance sequence, I would notice that I had a big smile on my face and I was just yeah. like, oh, that was that was lovely. That was one of the main notes I have for myself, which is when Fred Astaire dances and when they dance together, I naturally like my face physically smiles. I was feeling that I was like, what is this thing yeah. on my face? That's a smile. <laughs> he makes me smile. I've seen this film so many times. I own this film because I own like a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers collection because I am me. Um, but uh, every time I view it again for the first time or like if I haven't watched it in a little, I am always a little disappointed because as like plot wise, as a movie, it's not that great. You watch it for these little bits and the little bits are worth the watching of the whole movie. And one more thing is I think I was harsher on it because we watched the Thin Man last week. So I had all this brilliant, clever, witty banter going back and forth between partners. And then we're watching this, which is like a bunch of dad jokes. Like, it's not as clever. That's what uh, how I was feeling. The pacing felt really weird to me. There's all this time in the beginning that's like, let's watch Fred Astaire dance. And then it's like, oh, we got to wrap this up. I looked at the screenshot because uh -huh. I was watching it in installments. And I was like, there's six minutes left and they haven't even wrapped this up. Who knows who is who and all of this and they're still out in a boat. You know, I was just like, it felt like they just tried to get the plot in at the very end. But other than that, you're like, I enjoyed the dancing. I feel like their movies are meant to be watched in bulk. Like you can't just watch one Fred and Ginger movie. They're meant to be watched like three or four at a time because they all have similar ingredients. And the reason I picked this one is because it combines most of the ingredients that make up a Fred and Ginger movie. And it's all, it was their most successful film. And it was Fred Astaire's most successful film after Easter Parade. That was his most successful. And this was right after that. It was a huge success. It was like the highest grossing hit RKO had in the 1930s, this film. We take them for granted now, but Fred Astaire specifically did a lot of things that we do in musicals that like advanced them, that are showcased in this, that would have been new at the time, but we as a modern audience can't appreciate them necessarily that way because we're so used to a different form of entertainment. Um, so I think that's kind of what's fascinating about this. I'm going to get into a plot synopsis, which is kind of a joke because this plot is terrible. With regard to the dancing and what you were saying before too, it feels like when you're watching Fred Astaire dance, especially that first one, and then when you're watching them dance together, that like there's so much joy from them that like clearly they are really enjoying what they're doing. They're like at the top of their craft. They're 
it's effortless. It's delightful. They were like really in on it. I don't know if they choreographed all their own dances, but like it feels like they did or like they know what they're doing. And they're so good that you like almost believe that they were just spontaneously breaking out into dance because like, why wouldn't they? Two of the things Fred Astaire brought to film was he did choreograph his own dances. He loved to collaborate with people. So he would collaborate with many different people over his career. But for the 30s, it was this man who I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right because I've only ever read it. It's this guy Hermes Pan or Pan. I don't know. But that's who he like collaborated with. So he ended up making more money off these movies than Ginger did because he was partly choreographer and he got paid a percentage of the profits. And she was kind of pissed about that. Like she loved Fred Astaire, but she always felt like she wasn't valued in the way that he was. Isn't that the quote that like I have to do everything he does, but backwards Backwards and in heels? Yes. Yes. Ashley just cited a famous quote. I forget who it's attributed to. But it's a woman. It was like I thought a it was woman's Rogers. No, she didn't say it. She it didn't was, really. No, it was um, said about her. It was said about her. I feel like someone on a '70s talk show said it. Like Ginger mm. did everything Fred did backwards mm. and in heels. And I'm like, yeah. What was their relationship like in real life? Like, were they lovers? Like, what was their oh real gross? Life relationship? No, they were not lovers even a little bit. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> not even a little bit. So Fred Astaire is absolutely <laughs> fascinating. Um, <laughs> Well, hold on. I'm like, should we go into this or should I do the plot synopsis and get out of the way? But I want to like answer this question because it's so good. They were not lovers. He was much older than she was because I feel like she was early 20s when she did these. But Fred Astaire like did not have lovers. He was not that kind of dude. We'll get into him. I'll, I'll do the plot summary and then I'll get back to this question. Okay, so top hat. 1935. The gay divorcee had come out the year before and was a huge, huge hit for RKO. So they were like, we need to make more money off of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. How can we do that? I know. Let's basically remake it with almost the entire same cast, add a bunch of extra shit that looks cool, and call that a movie. And that's what they did. So yeah, this movie's plot is not really a plot. Fred Astaire is a famous song and dance man, Jerry Travers, who's going to London to open a show. He doesn't fit in in London, which you know, because in the opening scene, he's in a gentleman's club and it's silent in the gentleman's club. Not only can he not remain silent, but he is wearing a black bow tie and they are all wearing white bow ties. He is the black sheep. So he doesn't fit in. He's very American. Also, he taps before he speaks is what I noticed this viewing. He's doing a show that's being produced by this guy, Horace, who is played by the incomparable Edward Everett Horton, who is in several of these Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire movies, always playing a similar role. Huge character actor, did like 120 movies. He's in everything. And he specializes in like pompous stupidity. (laughs) He's great. They're going to do a show together. It's going to be opening night the next night. Fred Astaire somehow needs no rehearsal ever, but we'll get to that later. Um... Fred Astaire is in his room late at night tap dancing because that's what you do, I guess, in a hotel. And the woman below him is like, this is bullshit. I'm trying to sleep and you are tap dancing on a wooden floor above me. I'm pissed. So she goes up to his room and she's like, dude, stop tap dancing. And he's like, oh, well, I guess that is a problem if you're trying to sleep. I immediately love you. You're very attractive. I guess I'll be quieter. And she's like, ugh, fine. So she goes back downstairs. And then Fred Astaire finds an ashtray that has sand in it and he pours it all over the floor and he does like a little soft shoe for her to lull her into sleep, which I was actually thinking would still be annoying to listen to, but it works. I had the same thought. Thank you. That was like the note. I was like, still annoying. Just stop. Please shut up. Silence. Also very messy in a hotel room. Not right? something that you should do in a hotel room. And do you know what else I noticed this viewing? Because again, when I do these, it's you're not like watching them for fun. You're watching them with a critical eye. What I noticed this time was that he sprinkles the smallest amount of sand on the floor with his hand, but the floor is completely covered. And I was like, you didn't even try to make it look like he just did that. So whatever. He soft shoots <laughs> himself to sleep and her to sleep. He sees her the next day. She's going on a horse ride. He decides the only way that he can like get to be with her is to be her chauffeur at the horse riding place. So he dresses up like a chauffeur. I'm sorry. Can we just talk about momentarily when he opens the door and he goes, peekaboo. It was the creepiest. I wrote that down. (laughs) Yes. If you were to watch this, nothing else in this movie and just that moment, you'd be like, is this a horror film? I watched the first 30 minutes with my husband and he's like, 
there are at least three serial killers in this film already based on that terrifying peekaboo moment. Bates the ballet. I love Bates. Oh, yes, the sword fighting guy. That was his hot take 30 minutes in. I also loved how they they get to the horseback riding place and there's a gazebo. You know something good's gonna happen in a musical when you see a gazebo. I think everyone knows that. And what I also love about this scene in particular so one of the hallmarks of a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movie is that there are going to be similar kinds of dances in each film. So there's always the Fred Astaire solo dance, usually early on in the film. There's always going to be a more comedic dance that's like more fun or casual. And then there's always going to be a very glamorous romantic dance. And occasionally there's like a Busby Berkeley type number towards the end. Um, but this falls into like their casual number. And what I love about it is that Ginger Rogers is wearing pants and they're both wearing pants with pockets because the movie before this and in general, they have her in these gorgeous, glamorous gowns all the time. So it's so fun to see a dancing pair both wearing like masculine clothes together because that's not an image you get to see a lot, especially in the past. So I love that. And it's nice to see her feet. You know, like you you get to see all yes. of Fred Astaire's footwork but I was noticing, I'm like, well, the gowns are lovely and they move beautifully as she's dancing. So one thing that I noticed is that, you know, it's like so often I find that I'm always watching the woman in a pair when they're dancing. And I feel like Fred Astaire, when he's dancing, pulls focus a lot because a lot of Ginger Rogers, she has these beautiful gowns, but you can't see all of her footwork and all the things that I want to see her do. Yeah. So it was really cool seeing her in the in her pants so you can kind of see more of the footwork. She doesn't have the technique and training that he has. And I think in that number, you can see that. So it is really cool to see what her feet are doing. You're right. But then at the same time, I was like, oh, he has better technique than she does. And I'm like noticing that in this number. Can we talk about those pants too? Like in general, loved all the co like achievement in costume design for the whole movie like the ostrich feather dress that she wears at the end and then the like wedding night the sequiny dress but yeah the riding outfit with the blazer and the hat and like yes it's called top hat you got to have some good top hats so fred astaire was actually super into fashion and he took care of his entire wardrobe like that was all his wardrobe and his choice like that was him and he used top hats a lot throughout his career because he was a shorter man and he felt like it made him look taller and that became a staple for him, not just because it's elegant, but because it added to his height. One of the other hallmarks of a Fred Astaire movie in general, it was very important for him to tell a story through dance. Dances didn't just exist to be beautiful, they had to advance the plot somehow. That was like his philosophy and his goal. They are very natural together. They make it look effortless together and they really complement each other. So Ash, you were talking about how he pulls focus, but I don't think it's him pulling focus. I think it's that they're in communication with each other. It's like a back and forth. So you notice both of them. You don't just notice the woman like you might normally notice. Plus something I love about Fred Astaire in general, like I was trying to sum up in my head, what is it about his dancing that's so special? Because he's not the most athletic. He doesn't have ballet technique. You know what I mean? So what is it about him? And it's that he's incredibly graceful and at ease, but precise. Like that's the magic of Fred Astaire. Also, just another fun story about him in general. Sid Charisse used to say, her husband used to say, he preferred it when she danced with Fred Astaire because when uh, Sid Charisse danced with Gene Kelly, she'd come home like battered and bruised because the work was so hard. But with Fred Astaire, she'd come home like not sore, not a bruise on her. It's so funny you say that because I was thinking as I was watching this, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, like two major musical dancers, singers, actors from you know a similar time period. And I was just thinking about how different their dancing styles yes. are like that you say that that I feel like Gene Kelly has a little bit more of a I don't know he's more modern to what we would have today yeah and I feel like he's elegant and he has a, a sexuality to it is that yeah. weird to say like, <laughs> no it's not you know it's like he he has some like pull I love watching Fred Astaire dance but he has a heap to me goes more vaudeville he definitely has joy to it but it feels more I'm playing to a larger stage I'm playing to this like vaudeville style yeah well and that's where he came from he was literally raised in vaudeville he had a stage mom he and his sister were part of an act together they grew up in the vaudeville circuit picture Gypsy the, the musical mm -hmm. instead of baby June picture Fred <laughs> and his sister 
That was their, that was baby Fred. So that was his whole life. And I think he comes from an older style as well, too. Like Gene Kelly does feel more modern to me. Like the way we watch Broadway shows now is more of how Gene Kelly dances. He was kind of more of an all around athletic dancer of like, he has this ballet training. He's very strong. And Fred Astaire is more of a tap training kind of guy. Okay, so they do Isn't It a Lovely Day to Get Caught in the Rain because they're in the gazebo. It starts to rain. They have witty repartee. They dance together. Throughout the dance, Ginger Rogers realizes, hey, this guy isn't so bad. Plus, what I like about that scene in particular is there's a line about... um, he says to her, like, uh, can I rescue you? And she's like, no, I don't want to be rescued. I'm not a damsel in or I like being in distress or whatever it was. She's got that kind of sassy line and he just lets it be. He's like, okay, I see you. I'm going to go over here and dance on my own. And if you want to join me, you can join me. And he lets it be up to her. Because let's be real, for the rest of the film, he's pressuring her constantly. But for that one scene, he's like, I'm just going to dance over here. And if you want to join me, like, feel free. We can dance together. Like, no pressure. And I really appreciated that. So I think that's a great number and I love it. Um, Okay, so from there, they both come back. She's got some feelings for him. She has this relationship with this man, Bedini, who they try to insinuate at first that it's like a sexual relationship of like, she's a kept woman um, and he buys her clothes and blah, blah, blah. What it really is is that he's a designer and she's like his model, his real life model. And Bedini, of course, wants to be with her. But, you know, she's like, mm, I don't know. You're pretty goofy. You're Bedini. <laughs> I do like that she <laughs> says it's a business arrangement. I feel like that was clear. At least between them. And she doesn't really give a shit when anyone else is saying. Because people are like, he bought her niceties and her niceties are nice. So she's like, I don't care what they're saying about me. Like, I know the truth. This is a business arrangement. Whatevs. She has a friend, Madge, who is oh, great. We love Madge, um, who is in Italy. And Madge is married to Horace, the producer. And Madge wants to set up Jerry, who is Fred Astaire, and uh, Dale, who is Ginger Rogers. And she wants them all to come to Italy so she can set them up. But before she can totally do this, through a case of mistaken identity, which is another common theme in the Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire films, there's always some form of mistaken identity. Maybe not always, but a lot of the time. Anyway, it's mistaken identity. She (laughs) thinks that she's accidentally fallen in love with Madge's husband, Horace, even though she hasn't. Horace is clearly, you know, boring and silly. And Fred Astaire is just silly without the boring. So um, she believes she has fallen in love with her friend's husband. She wants to trap him and show her friend how shitty her husband is. But Madge is like sort of into it. Because Madge knows who she married. And she's kind of like, I don't know that my husband is capable of this really. And I would love to see that. Their relationship cracks me up yeah i appreciated how sassy she was oh i did too and she wasn't in the gay divorce she was an addition to this and i was like "Ooh, that's a great addition what was missing in the gay divorce was a very sassy slightly older woman i really was here for it i absolutely loved her my note was she's too good for horace girl why'd you settle i feel like she knows she settled i think he amuses her was what i decided like Mm -hmm. she finds him endlessly amusing and he's harmless he's very fun he's he's pretty delightful also fun side story I was realizing now Horace has that whole remark about like a girl from the zoo and we kissed and there was, you know, she was worried about the storks. I realized today when he's taking a bath in that bathroom and it's adorable and there's bubbles, there's a stork on the wall. And I went, oh, you guys all tied that together, you smart set designers. I see you. So, yeah, basically there's mistaken identity. Ginger Rogers ends up being like, well, I guess the only way to solve this problem is for me to marry Bedini because I don't know, why not? So she thinks she's marrying Bedini, but twist, spoiler alert, shock, she did not marry Bedini because the invaluable manservant Bates pretended he was a preacher when in fact he was not. They were gonna have sex, by the way, just putting that out there, which is not a big deal today, but like, imagine, they have unprotected sex, she gets pregnant, it's 1935, what's she gonna do? It all turns out okay. They never totally kiss, which is another theme in the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers films. They've only kissed like twice on camera and one of them was in this and it was that weird peck. But that gets back to Deb's question earlier. So basically, it all ends up happy in the end. Jerry Travers goes back to his show that somehow only goes on Thursdays or Fridays. I was very confused by that. That made no sense. Yeah, they were like, I'm opening a show. Be back by Monday. Be back by Monday in time for the Monday show. I'm like, that's not a thing. 
Who doesn't have shows on the weekend? Who opens a show and then closes it for the next three nights? Fools. And no rehearsal. No dress rehearsal. No rehearsals ever. You like that he was like, there's an hour before showtime. We best get to the theater. I was like, no, you would be in green room. Do your vocal warm up. Come on. What is this bullshit? Get yourself together. Okay, so (laughs) back to Deb's question that I have been dying to answer about Fred Astaire and sexuality. So... As I mentioned, this is a thing with Fred Astaire where he's not like a very, not a very sexual dancer and no judgment on that. I actually kind of love it and feel like that's why he feels like a safe partner. I never get a lecherous vibe or feel from him. I consistently feel like he supports his female dancers and partners. And so he was married. He married this woman, Phyllis, in 1933, and they remained married until she died like 20 years later. He really loved her. And his dance partner his whole life had been his sister. Like he was ballroom dancing with his sister. She gets married to, I think it's Lord Cavendish. She marries a lord. And she's like, I'm retiring now. I don't need to do vaudeville anymore. Goodbye. But... He's used to this um, this kind of ballroom dancing without sexuality because of his sister. So he eventually does uh, like theatrical work on Broadway in London. And his partners, one of them says to him, like, I'm not your sister, dude. You're going to need to up the romance a little. So that's my personal take on it of like, I think since he like grew up with that kind of dancing, he's just used to dancing that way because he was dancing with his sister. Um, but at the same time, he's so good at getting a story across. The way Fred Astaire gets big... He does vaudeville like his whole life within his family. And then um, his sister gets married and he's like, I guess I'm on my own now. And he does a couple of like kind of bigger Broadway hits that all end up becoming movies later. He does like Lady Be Good, Funny Face, The Bandwagon, which all become movies like 20 plus years later. Um, And he had a friendship with the Gershwin brothers. So like that helped too. But he thought like, oh, my sister's married. I'm going to go off on my own. He does this play, The Gay Divorce which ends up becoming The Gay Divorcee. And the big dance number in that is Cole Porter's Night and Day. And it's such a special number to watch because it's one of the first times, not on stage, but the first time on film when he eventually does it with Ginger Rogers, where you watch people fall in love through dancing. It's like a very dramatic and beautiful number. And so I think doing that kind of informed how he became with Ginger Rogers later on. And he performed that with a woman, I think her name's Claire Luce, and she's the one who said to him, I'm not your sister, dude, step it up and be more romantic. So anyway, he goes to Hollywood because he's like, well, I'm on my own, I'm going to go for the big time, I'm a great tap dancer. He gets cast in a couple films as a dancer. There's famous folklore about him where apparently on his screen test, the notes about him, no one knows if this is true or not, but I love them. Um, The notes were, can't act, can't sing slightly balding can dance a little wasn't there like a biography about him that had that title am i making that up there's also another quote that said i am uncertain about this man but i feel in spite of his enormous ears and bad chin line that his charm is so tremendous that it comes through even on this wretched test that's what um david oselznik said about fred astaire's screen test so fred astaire he's in a couple movies he eventually does this movie called flying down to rio And that's when he's first paired with Ginger Rogers. And they're like supporting characters. They're not the main characters at all. This is like Dolores Del Rio's piece, not theirs. But they're so popular in that film that they decide to redo The Gay Divorcee, which they call The Gay Divorcee because they didn't want to glorify divorce. They were like, (laughs) Divorcee sounds so much more fun. Glamorous. They make it more glamorous. So The Gay Divorcee uh, pairs him and Ginger Rogers again. At first he was hesitant because he's like, I just got out of a pairing. I don't want to be back in a famous pair. But then he was like, oh, wait, this is good. So let's continue. Um, And you had asked about how they were together. And they got along really well together. They were really good partners together. But there is a story about the feather dress. So apparently Fred Astaire liked to approve the dresses that his female co-stars would wear. Because he had to dance with them. He also choreographed, you know. So he wanted to make sure it would flow okay, but that it wouldn't trip him up either. And apparently Ginger Rogers, they had a gown designer that they used, but she was like, I am also a designer. I am Ginger Rogers. I have this idea of a dress. I really want to make it. We're doing it for this picture. So she designed that feather dress. They didn't get to see it till I guess like the day of or the day before shooting. And Fred Astaire hated that dress and yelled at her. And um, her mom came in because Ginger Rogers was very close with her mom and was like, back off. And she like yelled at him. And so they had the overnight, they tried to like redo the dress as much as they could because I guess feathers were flying everywhere. And he was like, I couldn't breathe. The feathers were everywhere. 
but it eventually turns out okay, as you can see from the film. It looks very glamorous. There was one point where he goes in for a dip with her, and I was like, I can't see her face. Is it covered by the feathers? Like, has she been swallowed alive? <laughs> and she did that to herself. That was her choice. <laughs> but his nickname for her after this was Feathers. That became his nickname for her. And apparently he wasn't a dick like that to her regularly. Apparently that was just like a one-off one off thing. If one would like to watch other Astaire and Rogers movies, what are some of your favorites? I have seen all of them except one. And I might have seen it, but I don't remember. So maybe I didn't see it. So there are, I feel like there's nine, nine or 10. Let me count them for you. Okay, so there's Flying Down to Rio, 1933, Gay Divorcee, Top Hat, Roberta, Swing Time, Shall We Dance, uh, Carefree, I'm forgetting one. Oh, Follow the Fleet, The Story of Vern and Irene Castle, and The Barclays of Broadway. There's 10. So I've seen nine of the 10. And the nine are like their original ones. So the first nine were like all throughout the 30s from 33 to 39. And then they took a break for a while because um, their last two films didn't make as much money for the studio. The last one they did together was a true story. And in the true story, the guy died because it was real life. And people were like, what? You killed Fred Astaire? And they're like, these are real people. And that's what happened. Um, So... Uh, but yeah, so their last two weren't hits, so they kind of like dismantled them and said, no, they can't work together. It's not a hit anymore. Sure. And then um, in 1949, a decade later, they come back together and they come back together because it was supposed to be Judy Garland in that film, but she had to back out due to ill health. And so Ginger Rogers stepped in. So that's their only Technicolor film. Um, and it's their last film together. But yeah, the original, I would say the original nine are like what you want to see. I think for me... This and Top Hat and Swing Time are probably the top two. And Swing Time, the reason I picked this over Swing Time, I don't know. I I prefer some of the musical numbers, but also I like Edward Everett Horton better than the guy that's like his equivalent in that other movie. (laughs) So I personally prefer this one just a little bit. But um, I would say the four that use the same formula are The Gay Divorcee, Top Hat, Swing Time, and Shall We Dance. They're all kind of one Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers package. But then um, the other ones are really fun and have other elements that are peppered in. They're like the gems. So I remembered really liking Roberta when I saw it. They all have great musical numbers. You can't go wrong with any of them. Um, But yeah, there's like more experimental ones. So like Roberta, uh, Carefree, Follow the Fleet, and Story of Vernon and Irene Castle are like their own thing. So it's like you pick your genre of what you want. Do you want like more of the same, more of this? Then you go for the first four I said. Do you want like something outside the box and a little different and a little weird? Go for the other ones. I will say the Story of Vernon and Irene Castle is probably the least good dance-wise because it's a story of like a ballroom dancing pair and I feel like it's more of a biopic and less of like... A dance film. Yeah. Yeah. But I remembered liking it when I watched it when I was like 14. So, yeah, I really enjoy these movies. If you're feeling blue and you just want to put something on that's going to cheer you up, these are the movies to watch. Um, And you don't have to pay attention. They're going to just happen. And it's all going to be fine. Which is what we need at this time. Right? So I was just thinking this. I remember watching, because I feel like we need to talk about Madge a little bit more and how lovely she is. Madge and Bates need to be much more represented oh in this God. conversation. Bates, yes. But Madge, I was watching that and I'm like, wait, she's so familiar to me. I may be completely wrong, but is she in White Christmas, like forever, no. like later? No, that's not her. That's okay. not her. I think you're thinking of Mary Wicks. The girl that played Madge, yeah, Helen Broderick. Um, she was a chorus girl in the Ziegfeld Follies in 1907, Ooh. so many oh, wow. moons before this. Um, so this was her first Fred and Ginger film. She's a great addition to the cast. She's also in Swing Time. Um, her other kind of films of note were No, No, Nanette and The Rage of Paris, but she didn't do a ton of movies or anything. But I think she feels familiar because she's playing a trope and she's crushing that trope. Mm-hmm. Very... Um, Mamian, shall we say. <laughs> like, I could have watched a whole movie about her and been perfectly satisfied. Oh my gosh, um, it I been think great. that's actually something I want to talk about, too, is I think the supporting cast, so there are certain things that, like, float this boat, right? The script does not do it. The things that make this movie work are Fred and Ginger dancing and the supporting cast of character actors. They are fantastic. I love all of them. Our supporting characters are Edward Everett Horton. He plays Horace. Uh, we've got... Eric Rhodes playing Bedini. And again, these are all transferred from the Gate of Orsay. Eric Bloor playing Bates, the valet. 
and um, Helen Broderick playing Madge. That's our supporting cast, and they crush their roles. I don't know if it's that they gave them the wittiest lines or that they pulled them off better. I feel like they were just allowed to be goofier because they're like not the main character. I loved how, especially when they were in Italy and he tells Bates like, follow that woman. He just like keeps popping up. Like he's swimming in the canal. <laughs> the <laughs> he's like running sense. after her. It's so ridiculous. Also, can we talk about how the canal, like it's very obviously not actual Venice. It's very obviously a set. I was so confused because I'm like, is this a pool? Is this supposed to be a canal? Because there are ladies in inner tubes floating yes. in the canal and also boats i'm like is this like vegas i was like i have been to actual venice and even though it was in the 21st century like i don't think they let you swim in the canals in the 1930s i don't think you'd want to no what if this really was just venice in the 30s it's changed so much like this is what it really used to look like <laughs> No, but it did. It reminded me of Vegas a lot too. It totally looked like the Venetian version of what. <laughs> That's all I thought. The, yep, you're totally right. That's a great comparison. I feel like the hotel rooms were the same, like when they were in London and when they were in Venice. I was like, wait a second, they just changed the little picture on the door. This is clearly like the same set and the same hotel rooms. What, Debbie, you don't sleep in a circular bed? And her bed was crazy. Her bed was like in the middle of the room. She had that weird button that you push for the lights to go off. It's like right next to her. It looks like a chaise. Like a clamshell. Movies from the 30s. <laughs> never look comfortable like they're always so glamorous and they have these big sound stages but they look like they would suck to live in like i wouldn't <laughs> want to live in that or stay in that hotel personally who wants to sleep in ginger rogers nightwear i mean nobody like a full gown <laughs> it's fabulous but i thought i was pretty fancy in my matching stripe jammies right now full cotton over here she does wear an, an evening gown to bed and full hair full makeup of course as always also can we talk about how when they're in venice somehow madge and dale end up in the same room not madge and her husband i was like is this a thing in the 30s they technically talked about that plot wise because they were like we only had one room and since dale tremont and jerry travers are not a couple they mm, cannot share that fair. room that's and it, they, they try to tap that in. They're like, this is why this is happening. This is why we have to do it this way. But it's a very quick thing. Hint, hint. You know, they're real, they really went for that. Um, also, I don't even think it was Venice. I think it was like, didn't they keep saying Lita? And is Lita a place in Italy? Am I wrong about this? I don't even know. I don't know geography. I know movies. Like the Lido deck on the cruise yeah. ship. <laughs> they're in very fake Italy. And it is funny that Bedini is Italian and yet doesn't speak Italian. He does one time to the other people there who are Italian. His character is fun, too. Again, he's the gay divorcee. They had that character. Um, and that character was, like, supposed to be the male escort that helped her get a divorce. Because it's supposed to be, like, you hire an escort so your husband will see you and divorce you. And so that's who he is in that movie. And he's so funny and so good at that that they're like, we got to bring him back to do more of that. And he's a great singer. He briefly gets to sing for a second. Uh, Bates, I really do love, as you were saying. Master of Disguise, so funny. I feel like if this were made today, he 100% had a relationship with Horace. Their chemistry was off the charts. I was like, they need to be dating. They're so cute together. I thought I was like, yeah, your manservant, wink, wink, when they first introduced him. And then I'm like, why are they quarreling? Why are they quarreling, indeed? Is it a lover's quarrel? They were quarreling over ties, you say? Question mark? Ties... To what, really? But I honestly couldn't handle him. Like the eye-bugging out. I was thinking about um, Mr. Bates from Downton. I was like, wasn't he also a valet? And I was like, was he named in honor of this character? Question mark, probably not. But they're not at all like each other otherwise. I feel like Bates is such a working man name, though. Like, that's such a, like, my butler Bates, my valet Bates. The beginning of Downton is like, or no, it was like the end of it is around the same time. It's like the 1930s. So I was like, huh. Maybe they're related. Maybe they're relatives. You also get the idea that Bates isn't really a valet, though, that he's really some sort of person who's, like, roaming about and can be whatever he needs to be to fit the situation. Like, I would watch a whole movie about Bates and what his life was like before this. Wait, what is the line? They picked him up at the Salvation Army and he came back with the shoes and he's been wearing my nice ones ever since. I was like, what? You get the sense that Bates is, like, kind of a leech but a fun leech. Like, he sees a good situation and latches on for your dear life, but, like, makes himself valuable. Because he is totally valuable. He really follows her. He saves the day. My invaluable manservant Bates. 
as he is consistently referred to. Also, do you love that nobody recognizes him at the very end until he's like, but I've turned my collar around. And they go, whoa, just like he's Clark Kent or something. Like, allow me to remove my glasses. Those fools. Okay, this has always bugged me about this film as well. He's like, you never gave me a chance to say my name to you. And I'm like, you had several car rides. You were alone on a gazebo. Yes, there was an opportunity to introduce yourself. Don't pull that. That's some nonsense. What were you doing that whole horse-drawn carriage ride back? Tell me. You could have shared your names. And if they just communicated better, none of that would have happened. So Catherine Hepburn had this famous line about them, about why they work together. Uh, and it was that she gave him sex appeal, he gave her class. And I feel like that is the most true statement about why they work so well together. They're good at like acting, they're dancing, but that's, that is what they give each other. So I don't know if it's just me. Loved watching Fred Astaire dance, but I felt like sometimes in the beginning, I was like, I need less Fred Astaire acting. I think also he's a perfectionist. He's learning how to be on camera. I actually enjoyed watching Ginger Rogers more in like actual scenes. She's the one that won the Academy Award for acting, not him. So Ginger Rogers, um, she comes from Texas. She's super close with her mom. There was like a Charleston contest in her hometown that she won. Somehow that got her into like a vaudeville act and she was also doing the vaudeville circuit. And then she got her big break um, by being cast in Girl Crazy, which you guys like know is crazy for you. That was like what that was in the late 20s. She got that at 19. It made her a star overnight. And then she like went out to Hollywood, got signed for a movie contract and started making movies. And what Fred Astaire had said about her, and I don't know if this is true, was that she was very fake until you make it. Like, she didn't really have dance training. She was just kind of making this shit up as she went along. I feel like she's very bold. She was more successful younger than he was in film. Like, she was making movies at, like, 20, 21. She's 23, I think, in this. So I feel like she she's a little more gutsy about stuff, and I think that makes her potentially a better actor because it's like she has less height to fall from, if that makes sense. Sure. To, mm -hmm. You know, because he was already established and he already has these fears and these ideas and he has to like live up to essentially a masculine ideal. She's beautiful. She's fun. And she's kind of like, I've got this. I will say, I think, yes, I agree. His acting isn't great in this. But when they're dancing, they're so natural <laughs> together. Like their acting dancing is great. Um, but yeah, so Ginger Rogers, um, she does these movies with Fred Astaire. She's the one that kind of breaks out. He, he never really does anything besides musicals. She does comedy. She does drama. Other famous movies of hers are like Stage Door. She's great in that. She's Stage Door, Vivacious Lady. She wins the Academy Award for Kitty Foyle. Oh, The Major and the Minor, I'll Be Seeing You. She does a movie that I really don't like called Lady in the Dark that's like incredibly sexist, but written by not sexist people and it blows my mind. And then she was originally in uh, 42nd Street. She was Anytime Annie. And she was in Gold Diggers of 1933. So before she worked with Fred Astaire, she had had, like, success in films. So she's really cool. I feel like she didn't get to go as long as he did because there's so much sexist garbage out there. She wasn't really given opportunities as much. Like, she worked with Cary Grant in the 50s. They did monkey business. And her career kind of starts to peter out in the 50s, whereas, like, Fred Astaire retired and came back and was still going. And he was already, like, several years I'm older. I'm so glad things have changed. So many things have changed <laughs> since then. It's, like, a whole new world. I'm sorry. No, wait, can I also tell you more about, like, Fred Astaire toward the end? Yes, please. Fred Astaire's later career after this goes, like, okay. So, Fred Astaire, he crushes it, essentially, in his film career. Him and Ginger Rogers stop working together. He does this movie with Eleanor Powell called Broadway Melody of 1940, Fun fact about Sarah Greenfield, in the eighth grade, when we had to deliver reports to our class in English, and we could do our reports on anybody we wanted, I did my two, because it was two reports, I did mine on Fred Astaire and Eleanor Powell. I was the only person in the class that made that choice. Several people chose Justin Timberlake from NSYNC. Not me. <laughs> I chose Fred Austerlitz, because that's his real name, and I will always remember that from my report. Um, so anyway, they did Broadway Melody of 1940. <laughs> Check it out if you want. It's not a great movie, but they're both really good dancers. He does like Holiday Inn and movies with Bing Crosby, where he plays the guy that loses the girl a lot. He does a couple musicals with Rita Hayworth that they're great in. Um, 
So he like does those movies, and then around 1946, he's like, you know what? I'm kind of sick of doing this. I'm going to retire. So he says, I'm officially retiring from musicals on film. Goodbye, everyone. It's been nice. Um, my last musical number will be putting on the Ritz. Farewell. See you. So he leaves. He opens some dance studios. And then a couple years later, Judy Garland is all set to make Easter Parade. And Gene Kelly breaks his ankle or sprains his ankle playing volleyball because... That's, I guess, what you do. Sports. And then they were like, wait, Fred Astaire still exists. We should go ask him. And Fred Astaire had always wanted to work with Judy Garland and regretted not working with her because apparently she was just a delight. So he was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to come out of retirement just to work with Judy Garland. Just this once, guys. Just this once, I'm going to do this. And he does it, and it's the biggest hit of his career. (laughs) It's a huge hit. It launches him back into musicals, and he makes some of his most famous musicals like in that time period. Um, Because he has famous musicals beyond Ginger Rogers, and she doesn't really have famous musicals beyond working with him, but she has famous like movie roles. After he does Easter Parade, he does Three Little Words, Royal Wedding, The Bandwagon, which he's great in, Funny Face, and Silk Stockings. And then during Daddy Long Legs, which was like two years before the last two I read, his wife dies, and he's so depressed during production that he's like, I want to pay you guys so that I can leave this film. And they're like, no, work will save you. So he finishes Daddy Long Legs. But the last two films I named, Funny Face and Silk Stockings, were both 1957. And they were both, like, flops. They Not flops, but they weren't successful, which is shocking because they have stood the test of time. I love Funny Face. But so in 1957, after Silk Stockings, he officially is like, okay, guys, for serious this time. I'm pretty old at this point. Dude was born in 1899. So what? He was, I can't do math, but that's like 58. Almost, almost 60, yeah. He's <laughs> almost 60. He's like, okay. He was done huffing. Goodbye. So at that point, he appears in other things, as we know. He does those like Santa Claus cartoons on TV. Uh, the Santa Claus is coming to town things with the claymation. You know, Ashley, don't give me that face. The heat miser and the snow miser. I'm Jewish and I know this shit. Right? No, I just didn't know that that was... Oh, yeah, that's him. That's really? him. And then he does um, Finian's Rainbow. That is Fred Astaire in a very long nutshell. And we sort of talked about Ginger Rogers also in a nutshell. She had been married a bunch of times, and I kind of love that about people when they get married like five times. And she was super close with her mom. And that's Ginger Rogers. And they both liked each other a lot and liked working together and only had really positive things to say about each other, which is also great to know. That's really nice to have like a good working relationship. I feel like you hear so many like horror stories about old movie people, you know, Bing Crosby, you know, that you're just A lot of them, Errol Flynn, Clark Gable. That you're like, they're terrible. And it's like really nice to see a respectful pairing. Yes. You could tell that they clearly had a lot of chemistry and it's yeah. really good to hear that they were actually friends and respected each other. You get so much sense of respect from Fred Astaire in general with women that he dances with. To me, that's what's also so lovely about him is to me, there is clear respect there. When you are watching Fred Astaire, it is a respectful dance. It's not peacocking. It's not showing off. It's both of us coming together and me like supporting you. Uh, you always get that sense from him with every woman he dances with. And I think that was the Sid Charisse comment when Sid Charisse's husband said that. What she, she didn't mean that Gene Kelly was like beating Sid Charisse. She meant that it was a different philosophy of working, a different working relationship. And so, yeah, you just get that sense of that Fred Astaire is very actively supporting who he's dancing with in a positive way. Do you think that there is a modern Astaire and Rogers, either in Broadway or in film? That's a great question. Like a really great question. Oh, I'd have to think about that. I don't know. Well, because I feel like it's people aren't so much in pairs anymore, right? Isn't it just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Do you guys think there's a Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers out there? I'm just trying to think of even people that work together. So like whether that's like musical or random actors in movies. Tina and Amy Poehler. <laughs> I would like to see them both put on uh, glamorous gowns and dance around with all the feathers. Or like Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, just because they have been a couple together in so many movies and TV shows. So Deb, that's it. You just named it. It's Eugene Levy and I feel like that you already O'Hara. have it. That, there it is. That's the answer. They're perfect. Yeah, because I can't think of, like, any other... I guess it's also because, like, dance pairings have gone out of fashion, too. It's, you know... Sure. We'd have to look at Broadway and, like, go through people's Broadway resumes. Such a good question. Talk. I have a moment and a question kind of based on your your earlier mention of Fred Astaire and his, his need for dances to have advance a plot or have mm-hmm. something. Can mm-hmm. we talk a moment about the Broadway number in London 
where he's like putting on my top hat putting on my you know and then he's like and then i'm gonna shoot everyone what yes what's that so here's the thing i'm so glad you brought that up because i was gonna forget and oh my god what a story so that number came from fred astaire had a dream this was like he's asleep in the middle of the night he has a dream of all these men in top hats dancing together and he wakes up and he starts dancing around his apartment and his wife's like what the hell are you doing this is crazy but yeah this was like a middle of the night fever dream idea that came to him and yeah that's my favorite part of the dance actually and i hate that that's my favorite part because it makes no sense like we don't know that one's allowed to be outside of storytelling because they establish it's in a show at least so it doesn't Mm -hmm. need to make sense so i'm glad they at least put that in the world of the show but yeah it is really weird that he's doing his dance with his cane and then he shoots all the men with the cane and i was wondering while watching this machine gun feet in tapping shows with gangsters is a very common trope and theme Like, men are like, my feet are the machine guns, and I'm pretending to shoot people. And I was like, was this the first time this trope was ever done? I don't know. Because it works. You know, like, it works. But you're also like, wait, hold on. He was just talking about this invitation. He's going out and getting fancy. And then all these men, I'm going to kill. Maybe they were all rivals for the lady's heart. Assuming it's a lady. A gentleman's heart, maybe. I don't know. Whoever's heart Fred Astaire wants, that is, you know, lovely. But... Maybe that's what it's supposed to be. Like, I look the best. I look the best in my suit and tie. Also, they're not as precise as you want them to be. Like, it's such a cool idea. And in the beginning, I'm like, guys, you're fucking it up. Get your spacing together. They eventually get their spacing together. But it bothers me in future hindsight. I was also like, this is all we get to see from the musical. And this is what this whole movie is named for. I wanted more of them. I mean, I always love a good musical within a musical. Like, I, I wanted more of it. What I do appreciate, though, is since that was the one that didn't make sense, they didn't try to put in the plot. Now that we're talking about it, True. I actually really do appreciate that. True. But yeah, what is that show about? Why does it end this way? That was clearly the final number of the show. Um, I also do love that he pretended to shoot the people in the club that had been raped. Yes. That was great. I loved it. That's a weird button. Let's incite violence with our tap shoes. Yes, thank you for bringing it up. I also wanted to bring up the Piccolino. I hated it. That was like uh, such a popular trend in the 30s, that Busby Berkeley kind of musical number where you get the big crane shot and everyone's doing weird patterns and stuff. I actually don't mind the Piccolino. I kind of like it. Yeah. It was their answer to, in the Gate of Orsay, it was the Continental. And they were like, how can we recreate the Continental? The Piccolino! It's like almost the same. The Piccolino, I I enjoyed. I actually wanted it to be like more over the top. Like I wanted people like coming out of the water and like coming down from the, the canals and like even more like an Esther Williams, like over the top sequin dance fantasy ballet or something. Yeah. Um, but I still liked the like the use of the dresses and the belts and all that and I the like patterns and like... You know, it's all, like, super schmaltzy, but I enjoyed it. I just felt like I was waiting all musical for Ginger Rogers to be able to sing, and you give her this number that makes no sense? Like, can't we at least have something about, like, you guys finally got together? Like, let's further the plot. It's really funny that you bring that up, because I guess another time, if Fred Astaire didn't like a song, he'd be like, Ginger can sing this one. Irving Berlin wrote all of these songs specifically for this movie. Like this was a score written for this movie by Irving Berlin. And the reason this number is in it in the first place is like I just said, it was like they wanted to make this movie almost the same as The Gate of Orsay. And they were like, well, we did this other thing in that movie. So what's your version of that, Irving Berlin, that we could put in this movie? So I honestly just think it was like them trying to copycat that moment and them showcasing like this song that Irving Berlin wrote. Because, yeah, it would have been cooler if there was a moment of them coming together because of the lyrics of the song. And that's actually what Fred Astaire didn't like in musicals, the Busby Berkeley numbers. His whole idea was like, the camera follows me, but it keeps my whole body in the shot the whole time. And the camera, we're doing long takes. Like, we do long musical takes a lot of times because Fred Astaire wanted it that way. He had like a vision about how he wanted to be filmed dancing. So his two things that he brought to the genre of like musical theater on film, musicals on film, was um, that like long take that would follow him that would show his whole body. And then the telling the story through like dance as we go. One thing I noticed about Fred Astaire is how much he uses the whole set and like Mm. interacts with 
like inanimate objects. Like, you know, when he was like even doing the drinks while he was dancing in the original. Is that a Fred Astaire signature at all? Or is it just like... I don't know that it is. Like, well, maybe it is. Maybe he was like the first person to kind of do stuff like that. Because Gene Kelly does that too. I feel like that's just a movie musical on set thing to do. But you're right. I wonder if that was a Fred Astaire thing. We don't give him the credit for that if it was. I guess I was curious because I think of that one musical number he does with like a broom. Fancy free. But I just didn't know if that was a, a signature. Because it did look cool. They have like drink choreography. He's making a drink for his buddy and it's choreography. And so to me, that felt very like a really cool way of making something feel like you're watching it on stage, but adapting it to film. That's what it felt like to me. Also, I love that he sings that song about being fancy free. Like, I love being single. I'm free. Oh, I meet a woman and we're going to get married tomorrow. I love you so much. Commitment for life. And she's like, uh, no, thank you. I do really hate that 30s trope of like, and 40s trope and forever trope of like, oh, you're saying no to me. I just have to push harder and eventually you'll love me. I really always hate that every time it pops up in movies. I feel like that's still a thing. It is always a thing. I agree that there were some like uncomfortable parts, like all the slapping. Like it's not cool, even if it's your spouse. Like all the slapping and the like, I'm going to go kill him by sword fighting. Yeah. And that was like a little uncomfortable. Like all of that. She's never hit me before. And I'm like, good. I'm glad domestic abuse is not a part of your relationship. I like that he's like, maybe she's never thought of it. You're like, uh. Also with the Bedini stuff, you get the sense that he's so stupid though. Like he never could actually go through with it. He seems so harmless. But yeah, if he was a different kind of character, Mark had called it, Ash, that he would have potentially been a serial killer. I did write down so many of his lines though, because he had such good lines. Hold on. Let me read them to you. (laughs) where he says never again will I allow women to wear my dresses I would love to see men in your dresses thanks for bringing that I would love that and then he wrote I am no man I am Badini and I also love that what a like this lovely that's great and then he talked about um my father killed a man once just before I was born totally went over my head when I was young and I'm like oh my god because your your mom you know had to get married and she was pregnant with someone else's kid, and that you had you had killed that guy. I get it. Sadly, all I could think of is was Brick. You killed the man, which makes me feel like a real classy lady. I went to you killed my father. Prepare to die. But that's I just love those. And then the, also the thing about the storks went over my head when I was a kid about how she was very sheltered, brought up very sheltered. She was afraid of being around the storks, and I was like, oh my god, because she thinks babies come from the stork. I get it now. I get it as an adult. I love that I, I wrote several times. Bates is on the case. Another Bedini line that's great is, I'm rich and I'm pretty. Why won't you marry me? Was he like maybe gay also? Was that like a code? I think a lot of these men were. And I would have really appreciated seeing them in a, like, I don't know if they were in real life. But as a character, like, I would have loved to see him and his boyfriend walking around. Or husband. I don't know his commitment levels. I did want to ask you guys if you were surprised by the ending. If you knew that they hadn't gotten married or that, like, were you guys surprised by that at all? I didn't see that part coming, but I knew that it was going to be like an all's well that ends well. Like I knew they were going to end up together. Like maybe they were going to be like, well, you've only been married for like six minutes, so we can annul it or something like that. Yeah, it's like, you know, they're going to wind up together. But as I was watching the clock tick down at like two minutes and nothing Mm -hmm. had been resolved, I was like, um. (laughs) They don't resolve it with a kiss. They resolve it with dancing. And the opening shot is just their feet. And then the end shot is just their feet at first. And I was like closure I like that and I do want to talk about the kiss again because this is one of their only on-screen kisses and it's a very quick peck and his eyes are open the kiss that is described as their long kiss that comes later is in this movie carefree and it's such a cool dance like go look it up it's really cool but they did a slow-mo dance and so they really were doing it at like three times the speed of what we see on screen and so it ends up looking like they share this very long kiss but in real life I guess it was just like a peck Um, But that ends up being like their only real long on-screen kiss. And they imply that they kiss in other movies. Like they'll show a door opening and then he'll have lipstick on his mouth. But they never really show them kissing. And it's again because apparently Fred Astaire said, oh, me and my wife aren't comfortable with this. But I have a theory that like he wasn't comfortable with that. Um, Because he doesn't kiss a lot of women on screen in general. And when he does, it doesn't look like it's the most natural thing for him. So again, that's probably why he was such a respectful, lovely partner to work with. Because he wasn't like hitting on you or lecherous. And he really loved his wife and had like strong women in his life. Oh, and again, Ginger Rogers was super close with her mom. Like they were best buds. Her mom ends up playing her mom in one of her movies just so she could have her mom around. And I love that. That's so cute. Oh, can I randomly just so when I rented this on Amazon, 
it said the rating was 18 plus. And I was like, what raciness are we getting into, Amazon? You wanted more. Um, I feel like we covered everything. I do. I like Bates' arrest. That was a great moment. Because to me, that was like white privilege getting checked. He was like, I'm going to be shitty to like a person from this place who's like not a white Englishman. And I'm going to pay the price for that behavior. I'm going to be held accountable. So as much fun as Bates is, I do love that he was held accountable. And I do love his swimming costume. Do you ever just notice weird things that you pick up on based on, you know, like your assorted life? I remember when this opened and the server makes that little noise clang. The like response to that, I'm like, you guys need to work in service because people like this treat service professionals terribly, especially during this pandemic. I have to tell you, I also wrote in my notes, uh, the server, I was like, the poor oldest man alive who's just trying to make ends meet. He clinked a glass, leave him alone. I also wrote that down. I might've spiraled a little bit, but I mean, like, that's what I do. And I, I was like, I would love, as always, more diversity in this film. But I was like, thank God that was not a black server. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. We always look through the 2021 lens, which I have forgotten to do thus far. And so we're going to do it now. There are no people of color in this film. And the flip side of that is no people of color are treated terribly and disparagingly on camera. But at the same time, there's also no representation of anyone that is not, like, white hetero cisgender so like just putting that out there and they really push marriage on the women in this even the sassy lady is like girl you gotta get married you just gotta you need a man even settle for a lame one like i did so there's that and then you can go off and live your life without him well i'm in italy he's back home um so i'm also watching bridgerton which is in london in in like 1913 which if you haven't watched it highly recommend and super interesting because I feel like that show has gotten a lot of like good and sadly bad press for having like a super diverse cast and for sure like one of the main families is like this very wealthy black family the queen is black um so it was like hey this is you know like 20 years later in London where are all the non-white people that was like a little bit frustrating but also like they have all these scenes where they go to like the club and they're not silent they're like very noisy and they're always like shuffling around their teacups and their cigars and um also the beginning made me think of the beginning of music man where they're like it felt very stylized even with like the clinking and the newspapers and the shuffling and the this it was like at the beginning where it's like what do you talk what do you talk what do you talk which is one of my musical that i grew up watching they're showing us like what the tap dancing top hat version of that train sound would be in silence as people on the show know, I like to be a first 10 minutes movie detective because that's where they give you all of your information you're going to need to know everybody's arc and to know everything for the rest of the film. And so to me, that setup was just showing like, well, first of all, they show us right at the top. This is going to be a fun dancing musical. Look at our canes hitting the ground in order. Look at their feet. There's a fun dancing feather dress and there's two fun dancing feet. So like off the top, they're like, it's fun. And then they're like, silence. The, the first top hat we see is that rude gentleman. We have like all the credits are shown over a top hat. And then they pan out. And it was one of those old, boring white dudes that's going to go in the club. And then they value silence at the club. And so I think all they're trying to show us in the opening scene essentially is like, Jerry Travers is different from these stuffy old boobs. This is order. This is London. Look it. He's American and fun. So I think they were just like, setting that up for us that's what i took from it personally they're like don't worry we're gonna get to the fun feet just wait we started with fun feet we'll get there full circle fun feet i did love fred astaire's makeup i felt like it was so severe in the beginning he had the they all have the very severe slick back hair and he had like it was serious cheeks some lipstick some eyeliner and i was like i love this did you shoot this in order and like you were still figuring out your makeup because he was like hardcore wearing makeup in the beginning Again, I dug it. I thought it looked great. Very 30s. But then, yeah, it's like they figured it out over time. Everyone, this is the double feature portion of our show. If you liked this and want to watch something like this, we kind of talked about it. There's so many Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers films. If it was me and I was pairing this with something, I would watch Swing Time right after this. I think it's the other super fun. Like, there's the two most fun ones are Top Hat and Swing Time. Shall We Dance sometimes disappoints. Again, every... All of their dancing will always be great, but plot-wise, I do get a little bummed during Shall We Dance, and they have this really creepy, like, mask number that I've never liked my entire life, and I will probably never like, though I can respect what they were trying to do. They have all the dancers wearing 
a mask of Ginger Rogers' face. It's creepy. I don't like it. And we're supposed to believe that Fred Astaire is like a famous ballet dancer. And I'm like, no, he's not. I can see that he's not. Stop lying. You're like, tap. Yes. Ballet. No. But yeah, I'd say Swing Time or The Gay Divorcee. Especially if you're going to watch The Gay Divorcee, some cool things to look out for are um, Night and Day, which is just like fantastic. It is movie gold. You are watching cinema gold. And it's the first time that was done, like bringing that kind of like storytelling and romance to the screen through dance. And then also in that movie, they have Betty Grable in like an early film appearance of hers. She does a dance called Let's Canock Knees. And it's very mm-hmm. silly and very cute. So those are the two things to look out for in The Gay Divorcee and The Continental. No Piccolino. I Won't Dance goes with The Continental. The song, I won't dance, don't ask me, right? When you dance, you're charming and you're gentle, especially when you do The Continental. It's cause of that movie because they do The Continental. It's a callback reference. I love that song. I do too. If Fred Astaire sings it, it was written for him. So many great songs were written for that man. And then so many mediocre songs were written for Ginger because he wouldn't do them to sing cheek to cheek like he got to sing it and it feels like that is a good duet mm-hmm. and i really wanted that song together yeah. she does sing she sings in a lot of these films with him they do duets together in later films so it genuinely doesn't make sense that they don't have her sing till the end because you're watching it thinking maybe she can't sing i don't know and then they're like oh no she can sing just as good as he can because he's not a great singer they're just fun they carry it off. It's very natural. And they had him kind of like belting in this one. He gets a little loud and a little high. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Cheek to cheek should have been both of them. Maybe it's only because she wasn't sure about him yet, character-wise. Oh, wait, there was one more quote I wanted to read about her. Rogers was outstanding among Astaire's partners, not because she was superior to others as a dancer, but because as a skilled, intuitive actress, she was cagey enough to realize that acting did not stop when dancing began. The reason so many women have fantasized about dancing with Fred Astaire is that Ginger Rogers conveyed the impression that dancing with him is the most thrilling experience imaginable. Yeah, I feel like that explains why they worked really well. Well, thank you both so much for coming on this show. Thank you so much for having us. I feel like I learned so much. Good. Yay. Okay. It was delightful. I love talking to you guys. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time on Talk Classic to Me. 